welcome to Spiritual Wanderlust, where we explore our interior life in search of the sacred. Many of us will travel the whole world to find ourselves, but here we'll follow those longings within to our spiritual and emotional landscapes. In each episode, we'll talk with inspiring guests, contemplative teachers, embodiment experts, neuropsychologists, and mystics. With a blend of ancient wisdom and modern science, along with a healthy dash of mischief, we'll deep dive into divine intimacy and what it means to be whole. I'm your host, Kelly Deutsch. Hi, everyone. Kelly Deutsch here. Welcome to our next episode. I'm very excited to have you all joining us today because I have with me my good friend and colleague, Emily Kerpelman. And Emily is a certified personal development coach. She's an IFS practitioner, and she's also a new mom. And Emily and I both love to use this model called IFS, Internal Family Systems. Emily uses it in coaching for personal development, and I love to use it both in spiritual direction and in coaching like executives and other people in leadership roles, but it's probably my favorite tool to use in internal work. It just has such a profound and clear way of framing your inner world that I have not found another tool like it to get quick results, to use it for permanent healing, for spiritual growth, working on trauma or just in your own day-to-day -day interactions, like, man, why do I kind of freak out on my husband like that? Or why do my kids manage to, you know, push all of my buttons? And IFS speaks of this internal family that we have within, all those various parts and voices that we have that like to chime in and sometimes take over. Today, we'll talk about what IFS is, explain a little bit about the model, and how you can use it for shadow work, for your spiritual growth, or whatever interior journeying you're doing yourself. So Emily and I have been talking a little bit about shadow work, which is something that's you know, kind of a popular thing to talk about, like, oh, I'm doing my shadow work, and I'm getting into Carl Jung and doing all these cool things, which is really wonderful. But if you're anything like me, for a long time, I didn't exactly know what that meant, um, or really how to do it, you know, I, um, and if you're unfamiliar with shadow work, essentially, what it is, is recognizing that there are parts of us that are incompatible with who we think we are, or who we think we should be. And so we often just shove those into our unconscious or project them upon other people. And so instead of acknowledging how I can be, um, you know, obnoxious, I will project that onto somebody else and be like, oh my gosh, that person, can you believe how obnoxious they are? You know, and so I project it onto everyone else because it's easier to hate in someone else than to hate in ourselves and to deal with those propensities that we have. So shadow work is really doing a lot of interior excavating and uh, welcoming home all those parts of ourselves that um, sometimes have some ugly sides and hopefully freeing them to turn down the volume a little bit so that you know, maybe your um, hypercritical perfectionist part can really just become an amazing performer you know, and help you do wonderful things in life. Um, so taming them or helping them release their full potential is a lot of what shadow work is about. And, Internal family systems was something um, created by the therapist um, Dick Schwartz. It's such a helpful framework for understanding how our interior world is set up. And so um, both Emily and I have used it extensively in coaching and um, spiritual direction and even just in our own personal work um, unaccompanied. And so we'd love to share with you today a little bit about um, what IFS is, um, what it means to have an internal family and how we can use it to do shadow work and um, find that freedom that we're all looking for. So Emily, I'd love to hear a little bit, um, if you wanna share some of your backstory around how you encountered IFS and why it was powerful and why you like to still use it today. Of course, so I, I started out my IFS journey as a client. Um, my mother-in-law is a therapist in IFS and I was going through a whole overhaul basically in my life 
um, was a musician many, many years in Los Angeles and just felt like there was something missing. And as I was starting to do more internal digging, uh, it was really awesome. My mother-in-law was an IFS therapist and she actually started to talk to me about IFS and it was like a light switched on in my head. There was so much that made sense about the model to me, um, especially when considering our, my own internal, internal world. Um, it's, it's a really compassionate model and it's, it, it helps us to look at those shadows, right? In shadow work and bring them to our consciousness and, and to be able to do that safely and um, with love. So really, it's a really um, respectful model. It's really looking at our systems and how we are structured inside um, and allows it to be that way if it needs to be but then offering the hope that it doesn't have to be this way. Like I um, suffered from pretty severe anxiety and have anxiety attacks driving down the freeway to my music sessions and it was really terrifying. <laughs> and I learned that I kind of was living in this constant state of anxiety because I had a part that was on alert all the time for danger, what it, what it, um, what it sensed was danger, right? And it can be a really um, like a fight or flight response. And I was in constant, just this buzzing state. And I didn't know that until I started doing IFS, completely changed my life and turned down the volume, as you were saying, uh, of this intensity of, of needing to protect myself and keep myself safe with others. And um, it, I, so I started off as an IFS client and got into a training as soon as I got into a training, I went also to a, a coach training, which is where I met my dear friend Kelly. And it really just started this um, internal, uh, you know, it's, it's three, four years now that I've been doing this. And it was, it was the beginning of this really awesome dig and um, structuring my understanding of myself and others. And uh, really, I've just been so curious about people, um, even like everything that I learn, I'm more and more curious about myself and other people. And um, I'm just, yeah, I'm thrilled to be able to uh, apply it to my own practice and to, to um, help people to, to communicate using IFS. It's like, you can actually say, I have a part that is angry right now, instead of saying, you jerk, you know, just coming from that part. <laughs> yes. Yes. Especially where you, where you mentioned that, um, you're able to acknowledge all of these parts and IFS uses that as like a technical term, you know, that there are various parts inside of us. Um, but it's also very, um, vernacular. Like it's common for us to say things like that. Like, oh, there's a part of me that wants to go to your party, Emily. And there's a part of me that really just wants to stay home on Netflix and stay in my sweatpants. Um, you know, it's just like, we, we all have those various parts of us and that's where it's easiest to recognize. But I think one of the most powerful parts of IFS is that we accept them all with love. Mm -hmm. There's a welcoming, there's an acceptance, there's a gratitude for what they do for us. And that can be really challenging, especially those parts that are super anxious and giving us anxiety attacks or for people who have um, you know, destructive behaviors or suicidal ideation or some of those really big, tough ones. Like, it's really hard for me to love the part inside of me that gets overwhelmed and just floods my whole system and over, you know, it's, it's hard to appreciate them sometimes. But when you see what their original intent is and what they're trying to help you do, it's so much easier to have gratitude. And just like human beings, when they're appreciated for all their hard work, Oftentimes they'll start to calm down a little bit and just yeah, like, oh, you see me. Thank you. I have been working so hard. And I know for the clients that I've used this with that, that gaze of appreciation, they're like, oh my gosh, this, this changes everything. And I think it's different than a lot of um, traditional um, spiritual work sometimes, because oftentimes we're trying to root out those sinful tendencies, we might call them um, in traditional religious language, instead of seeing like, maybe, maybe the sin or the difficult behavior is really just the smoke and there's fire somewhere else, you know, that there's pain somewhere in there, which leads to 
a difficult behavior or something that's hurting you or others. Um, so anyway, mm -hmm. I, I just find that all so helpful um, and non-pathologizing, you know, like we don't have yes. to um, see all these things wrong with us. Like, oh, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, why are parts are doing yeah. the things that they are doing? And I just wanted to say, rooting something out, has that ever worked for anyone? Like, I know that it can, it can seem to be a temporary fix, right? To feel like we've rooted it out when really in, in IFS, the term is exiling. It's we're pushing something down is what we're doing. Mm. And it doesn't really go anywhere. So there's these tendencies maybe that we don't like about ourselves or that haven't been accepted in our world or with the people around us or that we believe at a young age would actually get us killed because our parents don't like it, you know, mm. or something like that. We push it down. And so we are like, are pruning our external appearance, mm. but really what we're doing is pushing things down somewhere out of our consciousness so that we don't have to look at them if at all possible, but it right. doesn't really work mm. in the long term. And those things we push down, like, you know, referencing shadow work, those are the things that really do drive what we do day to day. Yes, and how exactly. we show up in the world. It's because of the, the pain and the shame and the things that we are keeping secret. Mm -hmm. um, and so what you're saying about the compassion of IFS is it's, it's allowing those parts to be in the light and be surrounded by love. And it's learning how to love yourself and all of your parts, everything that makes you who you are in a new way. And I'm, it's, there's so much hope in this model and in shadow work. And um, that's what really, I think I was feeling in the beginning when I was first introduced to IFS. And that's, it's just this like, oh my gosh, I really am okay. You mean that? Like one of the, the mantras of IFS is all parts are welcome. And even to this day, there are times when I, in my own work, realize that there's something inside of me that doesn't believe that still, you know, after years of work, it's, it's incredible that like just continuing to, to hit back on that phrase. It's true. Mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so today we'd love to share with you um, a little bit about what the model is and what these parts are, which is um, every part has a shadow part and a light part. You know, it has a really good intention and then it has really the shadow is when it gets turned up a little too loud. You know, these um, tendencies that we have to like, let's say people please, like it's a great ability to be able to get along with everyone. But if that's turned up too loud and you people please to the extent that you never speak up for what you want and you let people walk all over you, then it becomes problematic, you know? And so that's where we want to look at um, some of those parts, especially the ones that we shove into our unconscious and, you know, exile and leave in the shadow, because that's when you don't have consciousness, that's when they can drive your behaviors in a very frustrating way, um, all of those mm -hmm. blind spots. So we'll share with you a little bit um, of what the model is um, and hopefully be able to um, explain it in a way so that you can also use it for your own personal shadow work. And we'll do a, a short exercise meditation at the end so that you can use the model with us together. And our plan is then to do another session where we can do a fuller demonstration um, and see how that all looks. So we're excited to dive in because I've, I found IFS um, to be the most clear and concise and maybe even advanced way to do inner work, um, at least for me personally and what I've seen um, with the people that I work with. So I'm excited to share it mm. with you all. Um, where do parts come from? And what are the various parts that we have within us? How do these develop in the first place and what does it mean to have all of these little family members running around inside? Emily, how would you answer that? Gosh, there's so many ways to answer that. Um, but the, the way that I'll start is when we're born, 
we are basically structured the way we're supposed to be. We have what, which will, something we'll get into a little bit, I think toward the end, but we are born with the self, which is more like a seed of awareness. Mm-hmm. And then there are parts that we're born with. These parts are very innocent. Um, we're just, we're kids, you know? And uh, as we grow, we start to learn that certain parts of us aren't welcome or that, you know, certain parts start, they carry certain beliefs about what it means to be this way, right? Like if I'm loud in class, that's bad. And so being loud, we learn, I can't do that. I can't be loud. And so the part that wants to be loud is exiled and put away somewhere. And so the term exile represents those parts of us that carry the shame, that carry the pain of things that we learned usually when we were very young, um, that were bad, that um, meant we were like, just these beliefs maybe that were worthless or that we are um, alone or uh, that we can't be connected with or, you know, can't be these things of us that we really don't want to be seen by others because it could be dangerous. And and a lot of times it's even, we don't want to be able to, we don't want to see them because that feels dangerous. And so they get pushed down somewhere. And a lot of times it's, you know, they develop through trauma. Um, yeah, just, or just being human, being rejected, um, being teased. Uh, any, a lot of times these parts are steeped in shame. So the feelings are so, so big that our system, our internal system hides them away and exiles them. Mm-hmm. And so that's at the core of a lot of, what our what our systems build off of that's what's at, at the center of the unconscious yeah space. yeah and those exiles they usually their pain and their shame feels so big we don't want to feel them so as you mentioned our system develops other parts to help keep them and to manage them like okay we gotta make sure that you stay in exile because I can't walk around feeling like I'm not enough all the time or I can't walk around feeling like I am going to be rejected by everyone all the time. So I'm going to manage Kelly's life or Emily's life or whoever you are. And we have all of these manager parts that um, do a lot of really good things as well, because they manage a lot of our day-to-day life. Um, but, you know, they manage our schedules, they manage our reputation, our self-esteem, our pain, all of those things, they are just constantly trying to manage and keep under wraps. And so, you know, there are a lot of managers that um, many of us share in common, you know, the We have, most of us have an inner critic manager. We have a people pleaser manager. Um, We have a perfectionist manager, um, you know, a lazy part, a performer. uh, You know, there's these, all these parts that are within us that are trying to help us not feel this pain um, and to just get through our daily life, you know, do what we need to do in work or, you know, family life. Um, So these managers have these beliefs that, Okay, like the perfectionist part. If everything is perfect, then I don't have to feel inadequate, you know, and that I'm not enough. Or if I please everyone and everyone around me is happy, I don't have to feel the pain of rejection. Or if I can just relax and binge watch Netflix every evening, I don't have to feel all those difficult, painful feelings of loneliness or abandonment or whatever is really underneath all of those things. So Managers help us a lot with coping mechanisms that can be both really positive. Um, Like, again, we said the perfectionist can also help us perform well. The the lazy part, which can sometimes just binge watch Netflix for hours on end, can also really just help us unwind at the end of the day. It just depends on how loud that volume is turned up on them. Um, But unfortunately, sometimes, despite all their efforts, these managers either get tired or just... um, yeah, they try everything, but still they're unable to keep those exiles in exile and those um, really painful feelings get triggered. And that's when you feel anxious or you have a panic attack, or you realize that, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough. And that's when the last parts sometimes come up. Yeah. So, so yeah, like you said, managers, they have these really brilliant strategies. A lot of the time they work. Um, like that, that perfectionist probably keeps us in uh, 
in good graces with work, with, with people that we're, we're around day to day because we're doing things right. But when, we, when, when those parts fail at their jobs and those exiles you know, rush up and, and completely take over, the feelings that we have are just, to those parts, unacceptable. Because these parts protect us. Managers are protectors. And this second type of, um, of protector is called a firefighter. And so they come in, they're literally there to douse the flames. They are a last resort. Um, nothing else is working, so they come in. And a lot of times managers and firefighters do not see eye to eye because they, they managers kind of keep you in your life. They keep you kind of going from thing to thing, functioning in society and firefighters it don't matter. <laughs> they're coming in, they're going to put out that flame however they think is necessary and they can be very extreme. Um, so like addictions, alcoholism, it can be something that's really big. It can be, you know, su suicidal ideation. It can be cutting. It can be anything that offers relief and it can be extreme, but it can also be like com a complete shutdown. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I know in my own life, when I have been super flooded by an exile, there is a shutdown that happens. Just this feeling of, I don't care anymore. I'm not like not connecting with anyone. I am a one person island. And it feels, um, there's just a numbness that comes. And that, that is a firefighter. Um, and they can be present in more subtle ways, even though they're kind of like, they're acting to put out the flames, but it can, it really just can be a Netflix situation also um, where you are just completely disconnecting and just absorbing television um, instead of being in day-to-day -day life but um, yeah they're fi the firefighters come in to douse the flames mm -hmm. that made me yeah. think of um, I, um, we've Emily and I have done sessions together and I have a part um, that is a firefighter that is a very um, amiable firefighter, if you will. And I've, <laughs> I've named him Sergeant Glare um, because he kind of comes in and just like kind of glares in my face so that I can't see anything behind it, anything else that I'm trying to access, any um, earlier parts of me, any pain, any anything else. Um, but he's, he's just kind of like this laconic, you know, sergeant who's just like, all right, time to move along. Like nothing, nothing to see here, <laughs> you know? And it, it just... I, but I feel nothingness when, when Sergeant Glare comes in, you know, and um, I'm a very visual person. So my, my parts tend to show up with um, kind of characters that I can see inside of me, which um, I find kind of entertaining. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes we, we notice our parts simply as a, a bodily sensation, you know, like a, a tension in my, um, in my abdomen, or I feel kind of an emptiness in my chest, or um, might feel or have a sensation of a color or an emotion, or, you know, there's many ways that we feel them. Just to give, looping back, the example of a firefighter, like sometimes we don't have the extreme firefighters of, you know, like I um, have some really intense or destructive addictions, but um, even those are trying to do something good for your system. Like they're trying to prevent you from feeling this overwhelming pain. Um, and so they're, they're trying some other last ditch effort, which again, as Emily said, your managers aren't often a fan of. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is not helpful. You know, but again, the firefighters don't care. They're just trying to put out the fire in any way that they know how. Um, and so again, that's that's where you can see the shadow and the light of of each of each part inside of us. Um, they all have mm -hmm. a positive intent, but sometimes the way that they go about achieving that um, is no longer useful. Right. And just again, touching on on I, in doing this work, I time and time again are am amazed at how complex our systems can be and how brilliant they are. Like you have survived this long because of your parts. Like they have gotten you through so much life. Mm -hmm. And um, going into session with clients, like having an appreciation for their parts is paramount. Like that is so important because, and, and having respect for them and it's when it's genuine, 
you know, because I, in doing my own work, I was able to do that. But then when I'm looking at someone else's system as a practitioner, it's like, wow, your part does that for you? Like it's, a, you know, I have a part that um, developed from childhood that I call the mind reader. I'm like, it's incredible what this part can detect. Mm. But again, like what the parts, the parts that are around that, like what they do in response to what I discover about others can be kind of damaging for me, mm-hmm. you know, or it was in my past and led to anxiety. <laughs> um, but just like being able to slow down and really look at each of these parts, even the ones that are cutting someone, right? Like that is so extreme. Um, there is, there is such value in what they're trying to achieve mm. for you as mm-hmm. a person. Um, and yeah, I'm just amazed by parts. Yeah. Yeah. So there's really, I, I like to say that there are three goals of, of doing your inner work, whether you call it shadow work or um, something else. Really, first of all, I would say it's freeing these parts to respond to the present moment. I, I once heard someone say that there's no such thing as overreacting. We're just reacting to things that are outside the present moment. That's what it means when we're triggered, right? We're responding, you know, if Emily says like, I don't like the way your hair looks, you know, um, I might, instead of saying like, well, whatever, like <laughs> you don't have to look at it every day, you know, and <laughs> laughing it off. I might be, I might be triggered by that because maybe um, when I got a perm, when I was in kindergarten, the entire class made fun of me, you know, and I felt such shame over that. And so instead I feel all of a sudden, you know, shame or kind of like panicky, I need to get out of here or whatever, you know, it's the same thing that happens when you're at work and your boss says something or even looks at you in a way that somehow your interior remembers that from childhood or from somewhere else in life. You might not even know why you have a reaction that extreme, but we get yanked back to the past. Like your body remembers if you haven't read the book, go read The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. So good. How all of these things get entrenched in our nervous system and our muscles and how even if our, our conscious minds don't remember, um, our bodies do. And so being able to um, free all of these parts that often get stuck in earlier experiences and ways of adapting because, you know, maybe this part was, you know, five years old and got made fun of in kindergarten. And the only way that it knew how to cope was to withdraw and hide, like make myself invisible, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever it was. And, and oftentimes that same part still functions today as if we're five and I don't know how to stand up for myself like an adult. And so instead I just make myself invisible or, you know, whatever those parts do, um, were things that they knew how to do at that stage in life. And often don't recognize that we're mature adults that have a self that is infinitely compassionate and curious and confident and whole. You know, that's, that's that true self that the mystics talk about. That's that center point where we're one with the divine. And that's the place where healing comes from. Yep. And you, you were talking about the self. Um, so leading with true self is another goal of IFS. So that's like, you know, this, this, what I had said earlier was it's a seed of awareness, but it's also just, you have infinite resources when you're in this space. And I just want to emphasize the fact that it isn't parts are bad and self is good. It's when you can have harmony in your system, have space for everyone that's there including self and come from this place of healing, of compassion, of centeredness, of stability. Um, and when you're engaging with your parts, uh, there's just, there's infinite possibilities and they're all good. <laughs> and you can be present in your life and hear from your parts. Like, let's say there's a part that gets angry. You can hear from that part because if it's angry, it's for a reason. And you can honor it by speaking for it. Instead of us getting completely enmeshed in all these parts and systems that have established to protect us, there, it turns out there really isn't a need for that when self is present. Mm. And it's such a relief. Um, and you know you're in self. There's, 
uh, the, what IFS calls the eight C's. Um, and I have them over here because I always forget them. But there's, if you find yourself in a state of clarity, compassion, if you're feeling courageous, um, confident, creative, calm, or connected, any of those C's is an indication that you've got some self-energy on board. The ones that I find are the easiest to, to, to connect with self or to know if self is present are curiosity and compassion. If you are feeling compassion for the parts of you that are present, then you've got self on board and there's some healing possible. Um, or if you're curious to know more, curiosity is a great way, especially as a practitioner. Like, and I think Kelly, you mentioned that a lot of um, your audience work with people as healers. Having curiosity about another human being is incredible and encouraging that curiosity in them as well is like, it's, it can do really good things. And that's a quality of self with a capital S. Mm -hmm. And, and being able to, um, access, as you said, that, that curiosity in your own self is what allows for our own inner healing, because mm -hmm. what is so common for most of us is that we'll look at some difficult part of us, like the part of me that, um, well, I'll take the Sergeant glare, for example, that I can just get really frustrated with because, you know, okay, I'm in a session, I've set aside time, I'm paying for, you know, whatever coaching or therapy, and we're trying to access this exile or part of me, and all of a sudden Sergeant Glare comes in and just like won't let me go any further. And there's another part that pops up and gets frustrated with Sergeant Glare, like, you're blocking my way, dude, you know, <laughs> or whatever difficult behavior it is, whether it's anxiety or other things that you don't like about yourself or how your interior works. And Usually we have another part, whether it's an inner critic or a judgmental part or some other part that has such hatred and frustration, but to recognize that that's a part too, that's not yourself. That's another part. Usually that recognition is like, oh, so I can, okay. So this part is also just trying to help me. Maybe I need to work with this judgment part, this inner critic part that is so frustrated with these other ones instead of constantly having that negative self-talk, which is just another part. Um, but that's, that's what allows us to walk closer toward healing um, and being whole, you know, if, so if we said there's three goals in IFS, one is to free your parts to respond to the present. Um, second is to be able to lead with your true self, that core of who you are. And the third is just to be whole and allow all, again, welcome all of the parts, which is really the goal of all spiritual work. It's, it's ego transformation. So parts, another word for parts in um, psychology world is just ego states. So your ego has all of these different ways of adapting to the world and learning to cope and navigate people's expectations and all of those different things happening in life. And, and just, existential liminality, all the uncertainty that exists. There's so much there that our ego has to figure out how to help us with, you know, just like your anxious part that was kind of hypervigilant, like, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And that's how our bodies were built, right? It's like our brains are checking multiple times a second. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Are you safe? Is this environment safe? And allowing our parts to calm down because, hey, self is present. We are okay and we are gonna be okay. And we can use all of these parts, free them to find their, their light side. What is their positive intent? So that all of these parts can be called upon. Um, I think you use the word um, like getting them in harmony. You know, I like mm -hmm. to think of it like an orchestra. Like, okay, I'm not, I'm not exiling any of these parts. I'm not getting rid of my perfectionist or my inner critic. I'm just allowing it to play the part that it needs to play in this orchestra and call upon it. Self would be, you know, the conductor, like calling upon the different parts when they're needed in your life so that they all work in harmony together instead of one, like kicking over the conductor and be like, I'm in charge now. Okay. Here's what's going to happen, <laughs> which is often what happens in our life. Um, instead of having that lovely harmonious orchestra all working together. Yeah, and it's, you know, parts don't know the good news yet. 
-hmm. that they can be in the orchestra, that they don't have to be in the lead until we start doing this work and discover what it feels like to be in self and to have that relationship with what is inside of us, that you actually do have a true leader in the system that these like five-year-old and 10-year-old parts don't actually have to be in the conductor's chair. Mm -hmm. They can play the instrument they were meant for. They just don't know that that's possible yet. Like th that creating that hope for someone and showing them that it's true. It is, it's always true. Every person has a self. Mm -hmm. it, like it doesn't matter what you've suffered, how many systems have developed around trauma. The self is there. You have everything you need inside of you. Every client you work with has what they need inside of them to do the healing that is in, in my experience, permanent. Like what other model can say that? Like I have permanent change that I have experienced through my healing. And it isn't because of anything that I found in the outside world. You know, I was guided to find the healing inside of myself. And there's something so incredible about that, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. um, you have it all inside of you. Yeah. Does. Yeah. yeah. And this, I, and I love for those of you who are, you know, walking down spiritual paths, that's, that's where God dwells. That's where the divine is. And I love um, the mystic John of the cross. He would say that God is the center of our souls. And the word that he used in Spanish was not Dios está. He said, Dios es el centro, meaning like he's not, he's not just located there, but he is that soul's deepest center, you know? And so being able to recognize that I have that profound um, source of, of love, compassion, courage, connectedness, curiosity, all of those things always dwell within me just by right of being a human person. Mm. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have all of these parts, right? We have, first of all, of ourself, then we have these other parts that are developed, especially through childhood, the exiles that hold all of our pain and shame. And then the managers were like, oh, I don't want you to have to feel that. So I'm going to help you manage your life and your schedule and everything else. Um, and then the firefighters who sometimes step in when things get too extreme for them. And we're like, we got to shut all this down. Let's, let's numb out in some sort of way. Um, and now all of this sounds really interesting, but how do you actually use this in your day-to-day -day life? Um, mm. Emily, I'm wondering if um, we talked before about the Rumi poem, which I know mm -hmm. some people on here are familiar with and might've even thought of as we were saying like, you need to welcome all parts of yourself. Um, and there's a lovely um, meditation um, that Emily has um, shared with me that starts with this Rumi poem and allows you to walk through like an IFS exercise that allows you to recognize your inner parts. And I'm wondering if now would be a good time to um, invite all of our listeners to try this exercise with us so you can feel for yourselves what it's like to recognize the different parts that are within us. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. So I just turned to the page. Um, so I think what I'll end up doing, I'm going to read this, 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 this um, poem by Rumi, and then I was going to just lead you guys in either a meditation or an exercise, whatever, however you want to apply this. Um, however you're feeling in the moment, uh, I'll invite you to close your eyes and really see what is present for you and really pay attention to your body and your mind. And um, there is the option that if you wanted to actually draw this out, that's, it can be very helpful as well, uh, just depending on how you are. But what I'll do now is just invite you all to um, close your eyes if it feels right, get settled in your seat or if you're lying down, and really just taking a second to tune into your body. You're taking a couple of deep breaths. Personally, I'm noting that I have um, a bit of like an, more, more animation than normal in my body. Like there's my legs and arms wanna jump a bit just cause we're filming this and um, it's, it's a different way of being. And so I'm noticing that, just seeing what you notice. Taking a couple of deep breaths. And as you're doing that, I'm going to read you the guest house. 
I'm just noticing how it lands for you. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So just letting the sense of that settle into your body with whatever you detected before I started reading that poem. That it is welcome here. And if you can't sense that it is welcome here, notice who's blocking you. Who else is at your table right now? Maybe it's a phrase in your mind that it's speaking and that's how you notice it's here. Maybe it's a tension in your jaw or your shoulders. Just welcome, welcoming any part that's here to sit at the table with you. And if it feels right, taking a seat at the head. Seeing if these parts can separate from you to give you a view of who they are. Maybe asking them what they're trying to accomplish for you. How do they protect you? How important is their job. What would happen if they weren't doing that job for you? And just see what comes in response. Next, just seeing if they notice you listening to them. Notice that you are available to listen, maybe for the first time. That you are inviting them in. That you are not afraid. If there is fear, welcome them to the table. See if there's anything they need you to know. And asking, what would happen if you weren't afraid? Really just taking a moment to notice everyone who has shown up to your table today. And remembering all of these parts really want the best for you. And they're doing everything in their power to protect you. And if you can, expressing some gratitude for them and everything they've done for you up to this point in their own way. And seeing if they can receive it from you. And if it feels right, just letting these parts know that you will be back to spend more time with them, 
to better understand them. And if it feels right, expressing the curiosity you feel about them. When it feels right, just slowly coming back to your body and to the room you're in, taking a moment to wiggle those toes and fingers. Maybe extending your breath just a bit as you slowly open your eyes. This is a nice um, exercise to be able to use. I find whenever, um, I mean, at any time, but especially when you feel like your thoughts are spinning, to stop and just say, okay, who is all in here? And see who's at the table, <laughs> um, who's throwing a fit. You know, there might be one part, you know, you might have an intellectual part that is like, okay, it doesn't make sense to go this direction. You might have another part that's like, well, it doesn't matter because this person's going to be mad with us and we can't have that person mad at, you know, and all the different like thoughts and to be able to write them out. There is something so powerful about that. I think, gosh, and I'm trying to remember this study I once read. It was something like if you spend um, 15, 20 to 20 minutes a day journaling out um, your thoughts, especially I think it was talking around a traumatic experience that the traumatic symptoms like PTSD type symptoms were dramatically like decreased over, I think it was only like five days. It was incredible. <laughs> like, but oh, just being gosh. able to write out some of those things, like what's all this insanity so that you don't have to keep flying around in monkey mind or that hamster wheel that continues to spin with these polarized parts that are all saying different things. If you can write them down whether it's around a table or just writing out, what are they afraid of? Like, what are my parts? What is this one part freaking out about? Or what is this one part super annoyed with this person and can't get over how much she gets under my skin, you know, or whatever those things are um, to take the time and write out however ridiculous it sounds. It's going to sound ridiculous. You're going to have another part that shows up and is like, that's so ridiculous. You sound so juvenile. I can't believe how immature you are. And to say like, okay, I'll get to you in a second. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll write out all of your thoughts as well. Um, right now, I just need to do one part at a time, what these parts are telling me. And often when you get them on paper, it's a little bit easier for self to step in and have some compassion and say, wow, yeah, you look like you're really wound up about this. You know, it looks like you're really afraid of offending her. Yeah, wow, it looks like you intellectual part are trying to make sense of all of this. And it's hard to make sense of human emotion sometimes, <laughs> things that don't have a right answer. Um, yeah, so I, I find IFS can be so hugely helpful. My, my favorite book on this, I don't know, Emily, if you have a favorite book, but my, the one that I recommend to everybody is The Self-Therapy by Jay Early. Mm -hmm. I love this one and is yeah, the one that I recommend to all of my spiritual directees who are interested in this kind of work. It's a really helpful walkthrough um, and some good exercises that follow it as well. Um, if you're wanting to do some of this shadow work and um, free your ego, you know, it's again, all these ego states that need transformation because your ego is not going away. Like your parts aren't going away. Um, it's just finding a way to free them uh, so that they aren't constantly tripping us up and um, driving our behavior without us realizing it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part is when we were like, why did I do that? <laughs> like, why um, didn't I stand up for myself, you know, when so and so was talking over me at work? You know, I mean, how many times, I mean, living in the corporate world in the Midwest, especially where it's dominated by white male baby boomers and how many times I'd get interrupted as a young woman, even if I was like had a seat at the table. And sometimes, you know, I'd be like, excuse me, like, can I finish please? But so many times I didn't, you know, and afterwards a part of me would beat myself up like, why are you doing 
you know, it's like, oh, well, because I have another part that's been conditioned to just like, okay, well, it's not nice for you to interrupt, even if they interrupted you. Um, just let them speak and people please and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, being able to work through those things of like, ah, oh, why did I do that? Well, there are parts. And I'm curious, like, how different of an experience that was for you. And just in that example, to just be living it, right? That this is like, those steps that you discussed, just living them. Like I didn't speak up and oh, you're beating yourself up. And that was just who Kelly was versus bringing that into your awareness from the dark to the light mm. and maybe having a better understanding of the motivation, right? Mm. Like what you just said, that this is a part that was conditioned and probably because there's, there's the, you know, I'm, I'm going to assume here that there is a real possibility of shame. There's risk in speaking up in front of grown-up men right and of course in our society there's that's going to exist but having an understanding and a compassion curiosity about those parts that behave in that moment how that changes the experience right because then it's like that the beating up doesn't actually happen there that is so directly to a person when they're able to have distance from that part. It's like, mm -hmm. there is a part that wants to beat me up right now because it wants me to be fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So just having distance, what a, what a different experience life can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much so. And yeah, instead of the self shame and blame, it's like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. here's what was going on in there. And there can be just mm -hmm. compassion and acceptance and, and healing, you know, so that mm -hmm. next time I can, acknowledge those parts you know if I get spoken over again at a corporate board meeting or something like that that okay this is probably going to happen again I'm going to have a part that is just wanting to be patient and let the other person finish but I can prepare my other part that wants to stand up you know and <laughs> straighten my spine a little bit and say excuse me can I please finish what I was saying <laughs> um right you know or whatever it is but it is so powerful to be able to have just this framework to work through it all instead of just getting lost in all of it and frustrated with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. a great example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any um, final examples that you would like to share or other um, connections that have been really helpful for you in this work? Well, in asking that, it's interesting, I had a blank part show up. Has anyone else had this experience before? <laughs> well, where I'm sure there's thousands of examples I could reference from my own life. Um, but I have a part of me that's goes completely blank. So that's the experience. And that's I'm an example. Right <laughs> yeah, it's an example. And you know what's interesting is in the past, if this would have happened in a conversation that's being filmed. That is going to be shared with an audience in, in the hopes that it will offer some information and some enlightenment to somebody to have a part that shows up that is just blank was unacceptable. Mm. That is not okay, especially if I'm coming to the conversation as a person that has some of the knowledge to share. That that would have triggered so many shame parts for me to be like, oh my God, I'm I'm such an idiot, or they're going to think I don't know what I'm talking about, like imposter parts. I can hear them in the back, in the background. I'm not taken over by them right now. Mm. So I can acknowledge they're there. I can acknowledge that this part uh, that showed up that was blank was feeling some pressure, like come up with something. <laughs> and then being able to say, well, you are something. Okay. This is, you know, you're a part of me and uh, not to not get swept up in it is Oh, amazing. Mm. I just, yeah. So it's in, it's in moment to moment. Sometimes like this work is not perfect. We are humans. You are going to get swept up in pain. You are going to get triggered by people in your life. There is no way around it. What's awesome about IFS is a lot of the time we can have, uh, we have the tools necessary to not get swept up every time. Yes. And when you do get swept up, it's an opportunity for learning, even though it is so painful, it's giving you a new window to see yourself through mm -hmm. like what a value. Um, 
And, you know, I've another quick example. I, um, for the last couple of weeks have been completely taken over by shame because of something that happened in a workshop that I felt like I wasn't able to be a support to one of the people that was learning for imposter syndrome got triggered. And also some parts of me that are from my childhood that are more codependent. I feel like I'm supposed to, I'm responsible for someone else's feelings. And I spent two weeks completely wrapped up in the shame. I had a firefighter come in and say, you know what? I don't need anyone. I don't need to be connected to anybody. I'm fine. You know, just complete disconnection. And it was a numbness and actually felt really good. And so as the, as the going through the process, I can see, God, it feels good. Thank you, firefighter. Like, I'm so glad to be numb right now because that pain was intense. And I was feeling shameful about letting someone down and what that means about me. Um, and have done some extraordinary work as a result. Mm. And just, you know, being human is, does, and, and does not, okay, being human means having pain. <laughs> and it is such a teacher and it sucks. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I finally, you know, multiple sessions. So just to give people an example of like what it is to be human and doing this work, multiple sessions with the shame. Finally had one on Sunday where there was, oh, like a light bulb went off. Mm. There was this piece that I was missing completely that mm. just fell into place. And how earth shattering that can feel. Mm. And then the world is still moving, you know? Mm. And um, that is that is uh, the power of IFS. And this work and having these tools um, is you can experience the same pain with hope and with a different perspective. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love even just as you shared that, the um, the demonstration for us of how you were able to separate yourself from these other parts. Like you could see that they were in the background and they're like, but maybe you're an imposter. And you're like, yep, I see you back there. Like, but I don't have to, I don't, IFS calls it not being unblended from those parts, mm -hmm. you know, like I don't have to be blended and let that imposter blending would essentially be that image that I shared of like kicking over the conductor and being like, I'm in charge here. And this is what we're all going to feel right now, you know? <laughs> so you don't have to allow that imposter to syndrome to come in and, you know, conduct the entire orchestra and take over and flood you with those feelings. You can see it there in the orchestra pit, like, yep, I see you down there and I see you really want to take charge right now, but I I've got this, like, this is okay. Mm -hmm. We're okay, actually, mm -hmm. we're safe. And that's all yep. self, that's, that's self being the conductor, being able to yeah. um, help those other parts so that they don't have to feel triggered and they can continue you know, playing the parts that they play in the orchestra. Exactly. And maybe it's just an awareness that I've got this, even though in your body, you may not feel it at the moment because a part is completely taken over and it's like, you're shaking with it, but there's a, there's, there's self-awareness. The seat of awareness can be way back here somewhere saying, just write it out. I've got you, you know, and knowing that mm -hmm. is the difference that mm -hmm. it isn't forever. Absolutely. That's so powerful. We are not always able to have distance from those reactions or to not be triggered or to have these parts flood us with their emotion, but to be able to accept even that while you're there, to have that self be like, hey, you know what? Gonna be okay. Like you're feeling this way now. I have to do that all the time with like some health issues that I have. Oh man, mm -hmm. random mysterious things that sometimes pop up. And I just have to say like, this is just today. This is just how I'm feeling right now. And it won't be forever. I'm going to be okay. Wow. So much patience that comes in there, especially with something like physical pain. When you said that, like I had a twinge in here, just how um, challenging that can be. And IFS even has a lens into that, that, um, that books that deal with physical pain and parts that exist there. And um, it's very, it's beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I look forward to, um, sharing a fuller demonstration with everyone. So tune in next week and we'll show you what this looks like to actually walk through, um, something start to finish. 
so that you can do some of your own internal work. Um, that's one of the beautiful things about IFS and why that book I showed you is called Self Therapy, because you, you really can get in touch with yourself by yourself. Like you don't absolutely need somebody to hold your hand. It's helpful. I mean, both Emily and I have both given and received that and found, you know, personally, I found that to be hugely helpful to have somebody kind of walk me through it. And oftentimes after you have somebody hold your hand a handful of times, it becomes much easier to do it on your own, you know, to work with your parts and journal or do your own exercises um, so that you can free up these things these parts that you've shoved into the shadow um, so that they can all find that wholeness and freedom transformation mm. that we're all looking for. Yes, there is hope. Indeed, yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Emily. I appreciate you sharing all of your, your wisdom and your vulnerability and your parts. Um, there is a lot of mm. wisdom just in vulnerability. And I think that's a big part of um, what we're trying to share in our series. There's, um, something beautiful to be gained when we risk being human. Amen. Thanks for having me, Kelly. This was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a joy.